Amen. Thank you guys for being here tonight. You guys can grab a seat. Um, if you guys haven't met me yet, uh, my name is JD. I'm the Crosstalk Pastor here at Cypress Creek Church. We are super excited that you guys are here with us tonight. Um, today is a really, really good day. It is the Crosstalk Before Encounter this weekend, which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, as the recently new guy, I can tell you I am really excited. Um, it, it's fun to be in my position. This is something that is really integral to, to what Crosstalk is and to who Cypress is. And as someone who has never been through it, I am just as excited to see it and to be a part of it with you guys for the very first time. If you guys haven't signed up for Encounter, please do so. We would love to have you guys. Um, that being said, as we jump in today, uh, we're, we're going to be starting a new series uh, here at the end of October, October 31st. You guys know what that day is. Halloween. It's also the anniversary of another very important day in church history. Do you guys have any idea which that is? That is the history of the Reformation. History of the Reformation. So 503 years this year at the end of October. And so we're going to be talking through um, some of the really important truths that came out of the Reformation. And those are called the five solas. And so we're going to walk through those over the course of the next six weeks, counting this week. And yeah, sweet graphic. Paulina came up with that this week. So Paulina and Emma, right? You guys are awesome. Thank you guys for your hard work on that. But uh, as we jump in today, I want us to start by looking at three verses out of the book of Hebrews. Um, we're going to go and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. If you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, however you access the scriptures, whether that is through a Bible or your phone. Um, and Hebrews 12 starts out and it says a very important word for us as, as those who interpret the Bible and those who read the Bible. And Hebrews chapter 12 starts out with the word, therefore. And here is an indispensable tip if you guys are ever seeking to study scripture, which we should be. Um, if you ever see the word, therefore, you need to immediately stop and figure out what it is there for. And the way that we figure out what that word is there for is we do that by looking at the preceding passage. We look at what happened before it because it's really, under, really, really important for us to understand the context surrounding the verses that we are about to read. They contain some really important truths for us, and they're often pulled and used in a variety of contexts, which is great, but oftentimes the original context is not understood as a result. And when we're interpreting and reading the Bible, we have to realize that the original writers, the writer of Hebrews did not add in in his original letter, the chapter and then the verse. That's not the way, that is like what we did as a way to basically systematically be able to find and use the Bible. And so these are connected thoughts that are oftentimes in our study of scripture not connected. And so here, at the beginning of chapter 12 is directly tied to the preceding thought here in chapter 11. And what we see in looking back at Hebrews chapter 11 is the writer begins to instruct us by walking through this series of people throughout the Jewish history. And the writer walks from Adam and to Moses and to David, and he kind of ends chapter 11 by saying, there are a whole bunch more people that we don't have the time to talk about right now. 
And he, his, really, his goal in doing such in, in Hebrews chapter 11 was to draw out and to talk about the faith of these people and how they passed their faith, faith down throughout the generations. Hebrews 11, we often call in our common English now, it is, it's like kind of in our Christianese, we call it the hall of faith, Right? It points to all of these really important figures throughout the Jewish history and demonstrates how they were important to the Jewish people following God. And what the writer in Hebrews 12 is doing is he's really starting and he's making a summation statement of that hall of faith. And so now all of that being said, we can hop back in and it says, starting in in, uh, verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Have you guys ever seen The Lion King? Yeah, old school Lion King. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. And there's this scene where Rafiki takes Simba down to the water, right? And he's having him look into the water. And then he sees Mufasa in the clouds. That's the picture here. That's the picture. Do you guys remember what Mufasa says to Simba? Yes, yes, I'm so glad that somebody remembers that. Almost every time I use that as an illustration, it's just like crickets. And I'm like, are you guys so young now? Like 94, I think, is when The Lion King came out for the first time. And it's like, man, I don't know if we've lost that. Now we're like back into it with the live action remake. Yeah, remember who you are. Well, that is also what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do here. In other words, he's saying, remember all of the people who have preceded you, all of the people of faith who have preceded you. Because of those people, having those people watching on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The reader calls us in this passage to look back in history and says, let that be a witness to us, so that When we look forward, we see Jesus and we have the example of all of these people in our past setting the example of how to seek Jesus. And we have the wisdom to live the life that the Lord calls us to live. Are any of you guys math nerds out there? Anybody? Got one in the back? Paulina! Yeah. So there's a math term and it's called an inflection point. Does anybody remember that from pre-calc? (laughs) I asked Paulina earlier this week, and I'm totally going to call her out. She didn't remember it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. C's get degrees over here. Yeah. (laughs) And so what happens is, so we have a curve in a graph, right? And right where that curve changes direction is called an inflection point. And that term is also used in when we talk about history. And in, in the historical sense, it is where things have rapidly and drastically changed in history. Where things move and they shake and they happen and culture moves in a totally and completely new direction. And are you guys old enough to remember um, movie stores, like video stores? Are we officially so far into the age of Netflix? Okay, okay, so you remember. 
And the, the video stores, the video stores that were close to me, it, I had two of them, and I could ride my bike when I was a kid. And there was a, a Hollywood video and a Blockbuster were the two that were close to me, right? And I used to go about every two weeks, and I would go with my parents, and I got to pick out a movie. And usually you had those rentals for, what, like five days, and then you had to turn them back in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you had them for five days before you had to turn them back in, and exactly like a library, if you didn't turn them on, in on time, there was a fine. And the same thing, if our video store, and I don't know if yours was this way, if you didn't rewind when there were VHSs, they would fine you for not rewinding your VHS. Right, and then Netflix came along in 2007 is when they started Netflix for the very first time, and it totally changed the game for how we view media, right? It totally changed the game for how we view media because now we have access to thousands of shows and movies on demand at any point in time. And there's no due dates and there are no fines and most of us are bumming a Netflix password either off our parents or our friends, so you're not paying for it anyways. And not only that, but we get them as long as we want. RIP Parks and Rec on that one. Yeah, maybe it was too soon on that. Yeah, and we can now download them and we can watch them anywhere. And it's not only Netflix, but we have dozens of streaming services and they're trying to come out with new ones all the time to give us access to those shows and movies. And at that point in time, Hollywood and Blockbuster Video just gone, right? It was almost overnight that they disappeared. And how many of you guys know where a Hollywood Video or a Blockbuster is anymore? There's actually a couple, and they're still up in Alaska, which is super weird. I don't know why they're in Alaska. I had to Google it. Somebody told me that. There are some stores in Alaska. I don't know if they have, like, and this sounds really backwards, but I don't know if they've gotten the internet yet. And so they still need to, like, rent DVDs and things like that. But the crazy thing is that at these inflection points, you don't know the net result of them until after the fact, right? The people who created Netflix thought they had a really good idea, and they had no idea what that idea was going to do until they saw it play out in front of them. And sometimes these changes accelerate so quickly that we can't wrap our head around what is actually happening in the world around us. And as Christians, we have to figure that out, right? What do we do with this new change? And your parents had to figure out what to do when suddenly you guys had access to thousands of shows and movies on demand, right? They no longer had a, like some level of control where it was like, I know what's being watched in my house because I, had to, I saw them go rent it and I can find it someplace. Now it's kind of limitless. And Netflix changed the way we live our day-to-day -day lives. And the same thing happened at an inflection point 503 years ago, October 31st when there was a young monk named Martin Luther, he nailed 95 things to the door of his university. And what happened is he changed the way that people lived their day-to-day -day lives, and it still influences us today. The list he nailed to the door were, were lists of concerns about things that he had in the church, and we call these now uh, the 95 Theses. The 95 Theses. And now to understand the weight of this, we have to understand that the church at the time was under the control of a very small group of people that in, instructed individual churches on how to conduct their business. 
And during this period in history, there was only one church, and that church was based out of Rome. And that meant that you couldn't walk down the street like you can today and go to another church if that church doesn't have like a theology that lines up with what you believe. And imagine if everybody in the city of San Marcos was under the Holy Church, and I don't even know, like this is, I'm saying this in jest, under the Holy Church of Jose, right? And so every college ministry in San Marcos had to do what Jose said that they had to do or believe whatever Jose said that they had to believe. And so if you guys went to Chi Alpha or you guys went to Crew or you guys went to the Navigators or to Young Life, they all were going to teach the same thing because they were under the same authority of one person. And I say that very much in jest as an illustration of of kind of this concept, but really that is what's true here. And if you can imagine that, you can imagine how the church looked in the 1500s. And the church at the time was doing some things and held some beliefs that Luther didn't agree with. And because he couldn't go to another church that believed something different because it didn't exist, what he had to do was he had to figure out a way to start a conversation. And that's really what these 95 theses were when he nailed them to the door of the Wittenberg church, is it was the way of starting a conversation back in the day. And for us to understand really the the, uh, importance of that being nailed to the door, there was another technological advancement that happened about 100 years before that was even more impactful to the way that we understand life today, and that was the Gutenberg printing press. It was the first time that literature could be mass-produced and sent to people all over Europe and the world. And due to the lack of copies of books, people relied on others to tell them what books said, right? Not everybody had a copy of the Bible. They relied on a, on a priest or a pastor to tell them what the Word of God said, and then they had to trust that that was true. But now books were being printed and literature was becoming accessible to people. And when the 95 Theses were pulled off the door of the Wittenberg Church, they were sent to a printing press and then suddenly it was all over the world. Think Twitter 500 years ago. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, what do we do when we come to this inflection point? What do we, come, what do, we do when we get to the point where culture is rapidly going to change? Our, our identity and our foundations have to be rethought, right? What is our identity? These are the things that we have to understand for us to walk forward in the world fully trusting in what we base our life on. And because people had a Bible for the first time, they were reading scripture for themselves. And in reading the Bible, Martin Luther discovered what can be distilled down to five primary truths. And those are the five solas that we're going to explore here. And we, as common day readers of the Bible, need to look at these truths because this is us. We need to understand who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And these are the foundational truths of what it means to follow Christ on a daily basis. As we face the future in an ever more tumultuous political climate, in an election season, with massive social unrest happening around us, in a world that is losing the idea and belief of truth, we have to know who we are to know what place we have in the world. And these are those truths. It is that scripture alone is our authority in understanding God's work in the world. Grace alone is how we understand God's attitude 
towards us. It is by faith alone that we come into a relationship with God. It is by Christ alone who is sufficient for salvation. And it's to the glory of God alone that we live our lives. And these are called the five solas. And sola in, in, means in Latin uh, alone, alone. So these five things alone make up what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And when you accept Christ and you call yourself a Christian, you are affirming, whether you realize it or not, that these five things are true. Because the change that happened 503 years ago is the basis for the church today. It is the basis for the church today. And that makes it critical for us to understand what they mean and how they impact our everyday lives. Because we all know that just wearing a cross necklace or saying the right thing or having a verse memorized doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a follower of Christ. These universal truths are ultimately what we as Christians need to make the authority in our life. And until we do so, we're always going to waver between what culture tells us and what we say we believe. And we're going to be pulled in two direction, different directions until at some point, did you guys have that Stretch Armstrong-like toy as a kid? Taylor reminded me of this earlier this week, where basically the dude just stretched and stretched and stretched, and you could pull it across the room and then let it go and hit your brother in the face. And... That same sort of deal, that has a terminal stretching point. As far as it's meant to stretch, it has a terminal point where it breaks. And that's the same thing that happens when we waver between what culture tells us to believe and what culture tells us is true and what we say the Bible says is true. What the Bible says is true. And we need to understand at the core of who we are what we believe, so that we don't get pulled in those different directions. And over the next few weeks, we'll begin to unfold these truths one by one. And we'll begin to understand that this is who we are. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to God's glory alone. The way we handle the uncertainty of the future is to look back into history. The way we understand the uncertainty of the future is we look back into history. And when we look into history, we understand how to walk in the future. And that makes all the difference for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is the Jesus that we worship today. That is the Jesus that we worship today. Let me pray.